the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you. At 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning and welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, invest in more. Happy, happy Friday to you. Hopefully I'll see you tomorrow in Walnut Creek. We'll extend our day by one. And then we'll relax Saturday night and into Sunday. Ah, markets. Keeping these market highs and starting to get to the point of like, really? SP 500 up five. Dow Jones Industrial Average up 39. The Nasdaq's up 29. Amazon had a very good quarter, and the shares are reflecting it. It's kind of frothy, some of these growth names. And frothy is both good and bad. Good if you have it, bad if you don't. But it becomes very choppy as well. It's up 10% today. Chad Burton, CFP, Amazon.com. Not exactly a new company, not exactly a surprise company. Up 10% feels a little frothy, right? Well, yeah, when you look at a com- the company's margins, it seems very frothy. But yet, they're taking over everything. So they're in the growth phase, and revenue's increasing. We've got margins, though. That's going to be a long-term issue. It's fascinating to look at, um, in my opinion. Target price, one analyst kicks it up to... $400 a share today. They've befuddled Wall Street. Amazon stock split has several split several times. Um, what's interesting about them, you said they're still in the growth phase. And they've. And when you said that, you also threw in the phrase, you know, the margins are bad. But from the beginning history, as a publicly traded company, they've been upfront and unapologetic about its intention to put its customers in long-term investments ahead of the short-term profit demands. Um, just fantastically wonderful to watch. It's one of the dot-com companies that survived the 90s, and all they got is a stinking T-shirt to prove it. Yeah, when you get it, you know, so far when we're looking at, I don't know, some 190, I'll check facts in a minute, but how many companies have reported we're seeing average revenue growth of about 2%? Yep. Earnings growth of around 5 on average. That means they're cutting costs, buying back their own shares to make the earnings per share look better. You've got... Revenue jumped 24% for Amazon, so that's why people are willing to pay more for it, even though they lost money last quarter. Um, they also talked about uh, increasing certain shipping costs, so they might be turning that corner in terms of 
maybe they're going to try to fix their margins a little bit so they actually start having a profit. <laughs> What's fascinating about them is that um, I had a yellow jacket mask in my yard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, okay, if I could find it, I could probably deal with it on myself. But it was inside a lavender bush, and every time I got close to it, I got stung. Um, and you could see, like, hundreds of them like, coming in for landing. And I had to figure out, what am I going to do? Am I going to dust this thing? Am I going to – you don't bomb it. You don't spray it. Yeah, you know, I do it without killing the lavender bush. Right? Well, I, I don't care about killing the lavender bush. <laughs> I hate lavender bushes more than I hate yellow jackets. Really? Uh, yeah, I've got a thing for lavender bushes. You don't like the smell? I mean, what's your, what's yeah, your my name? father was killed by a lavender bush. Oh, okay. Snuck up on him one night. It's kind of like a bad my, episode. Of mine was killed by hornets, so. Really? Yeah. So, anyway, um, couldn't find the hole. If you could find the hole, you could pour water and soak down it, and they all die. But anyway, long story short, I went to Amazon, and I figured out everything that I need from Amazon. I needed a duster, which I didn't know what duster was. I mean, I'm a man. I'm not that much of a man. And then I got... The poison, and then I was like, you know what? This sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> so I called San Mateo, and they came out and took it out for free. My tax works. Uh, my tax dollars are good at work. And you're, and you're not going to sh- package that stuff up and ship it back to return it, are you? Oh no, I I I ordered it, but I canceled it. Oh okay, so, so got it in time. My point being is that you can buy poison from Amazon.com, and it'll be shipped to your house within two days. Like I love that good company. I love that company. <laughs> Oh, earnings season. How are you feeling? Uh, you know, I think earnings are a bit better than expected. There's certain revenue upside that's a little bit better than expected. Microsoft is a was a nice surprise. Um, stocks up what six and a half, six and a half percent today mm-hmm. on good earnings reports last night. And Microsoft is a big company, as is Amazon, and they re- when they report, they represent big things. Mm-hmm. Microsoft represents sometimes the enterprise, but also their personal computers. So. You can see how Apple's doing on the personal computer front. You can see how corporate America's doing on the enterprise front. Um, it was a good quarter out of Microsoft. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting to see that stock. I mean, this is one that we bought quite a while ago, and my argument to one of my analysts was Wall Street doesn't want that stock over 30 bucks a share for very long, and it stayed under that quite a while. It's, so it's, it's definitely broke out above that $30 ceiling that it's had for a long, long time. It'll be interesting to see what Wall Street thinks of their new CEO when they get a new CEO. Yeah. Uh, because that'll give you an idea. If the company's going to be broken up, it's worth mm-hmm. a lot more. Well, I mean, yeah, just the way the, the growth in Xbox. But, you know, a lot of people forget that Windows um, XP mm-hmm. is – they're not going to support it after, I think it's like March or something like that, of 2014. It's gone. Like, there's, there's going to be no more updates, no more support for it at all. So a lot of those people are still running those machines if they're still working. They're going to have to flip to this new subscription-based system. Yeah. So I, I, I think Apple really took a really hardcore bite out of them, as has Google Chrome. Um, Apple announcing this week that they're not going to charge anything yeah, for software. I, I see that at the personal level, but I don't see that at the business level. And I see it totally the other way. Because if you walk up and down the halls of businesses now, you're not seeing Dell computers anymore. You're not seeing compacts or HPs. Definitely in the Bay Area. I wouldn't say that's the same across the country, though. But with that said, um, most enterprises now want their employees to feel comfortable with you know bringing their 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 work home. Yeah. So I mean, flying all the time. I see a lot of people with laptops, and then they also have their iPad. So it's it's multiple devices still. I heard a millennials argument on Apple. And they said, make it cheaper and make it smaller and make it fun. 
And that's exactly what Apple keeps doing. But yeah. by eliminating the operating system this quarter, the cost of it, they've, they, I think they won the war. It'll be interesting to see, because Google has the free operating system as well. Yeah. And now they're starting to take it back, saying it's too open source. And they, 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 don't, they don't want people altering their maps and their services. So it seems like it's becoming more of a service industry, but it, it's not a zero-sum game. Well, if you're giving away the operating system, I mean, part of, you know, remember what Apple wants to get people on their devices, to get people into iTunes, iMovies, um, all of that kind of stuff. So if if you take away that cost, I mean, they're going to be even more and more dependent now on creating the next best device. No, I think they've just got to make the best ecosystem. Yeah, and they're giving so, away more of it away for free. Absolutely. So, it's, so big winner here, Palo Alto Networks. So enterprise security is <laughs> not going to go away, especially if people are bringing their, their devices from home. UPS Procter Gamble, Procter Gamble? Chubb, Lear, and Newell Rubbermaid, amongst notable companies that delivered results that were either in line or better than expectations. September durable goods orders um, were fine. The headline looked great. The durable orders up after increasing just fractions in August, so the numbers are, are starting to look a little bit better there. Uh, transportation looks good. Oh, got a big event coming up tomorrow in Walnut Creek. Money 101 in the morning from 9 to noon. That's the one that I run on wealth creation in the afternoon at the Marriott in Walnut Creek. CFP Chad Burton runs the Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event. Uh, you'll be speaking about... In the retirement planning? Yeah. Um, basically, you go through the process of how do you calculate the cost of retirement. And then how do you go from that? Because you really have to go from calculating what your budget is and that includes your expenses, plus Uncle Sam, plus all your health care costs to figure out how much do you have enough to retire. And if so, how do you set up that portfolio and rebalance it each and every year? Like right now is a perfect time for people to have spent some of their cash to peel some of these gains, replenish that cash. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. If you want to donate a phone, we're doing a phone fundraiser. You can get in for free. Otherwise, it's $5. If you want to donate a phone, drop me an email at rob at robblack.com or sign up at robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. But should I be? Is this fate Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. Rob Black talking all things financial. Going to be in Walnut Creek tomorrow. All day long doing a little fundraising. Educational events. And what I mean by that is... Uh, Events that are tied towards raising a little bit of money. If you bring an old cell phone, used, broken, doesn't work, whatever, just bring a cell phone, donate it, come on in for free. Either the Money 101 event in the morning and or the Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event in the afternoon. These events are educational. They're not going to give you everything, but they're going to give you as much as they can. Information you should just start thinking about. Um... So if you want to donate a phone, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. If you want to, how shall I say this, uh, sign up online. You can sign up online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Last day to sign up. I've got an email here, CFP Chad Burton. says, my age is 64. I've got $35,000. 
in a 401k, and I'm not paying into the 401k, so should I put it in a Roth account? R-A-W-F? Oh, Mary. Poor Mary. What do you think that means? If you were to guess, is that a typo, or is there an account that I've not heard of? I'm wondering if when I had some dental work the other day and I was on there talking about Roth IRAs, if I was saying Roth IRAs. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's funny. That's the closest you could get to, right? So that she's misheard the word Roth. You know what scares me about this? But uh, yeah, the the financial illiteracy in it is. She's sixty four, financially illiterate, but sixty four, and she's got thirty five thousand dollars. I hope to God she's got more than that. Otherwise, she's looking at a rough, a rough retirement. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny to us because we can see the email and how she spelled it. But I know. know people radio, what, are you, what are these guys talking about right now? You know, the average, um, a couple of studies that I've been looking at lately, the average balance of 401K is between 60 and 65 right now is about 100. You see anything from 140 to about 189,000. That's not enough. No, it's not. It, it, the interesting thing is, though, that, you know, the average person after this last major correction, I would say the average person didn't do anything with their assets. And they actually are ahead of the game now. Their their accounts are greater than where they were in 2007. It's those that sold in 2008 and 2009 when they got scared that have true losses that will never, ever catch up. And the group that actually has less money than what they started with in 2007 is those that still had their plans in 401k. So a lot of people still, you know, they don't do the IRA rollover. They leave it there. The age is over 65. So 65 to 75 in this study had less money than what they started with 2007 because they were having to draw on it. So that's the age that they're typically retired, they're taking income, and they were drawing all the way down and drawing out all the way up. And they didn't have cash on the sidelines to let their portfolios recover. So, again, it's true losses. So when you're young, timing the market doesn't matter. I mean, neither you or I in the 20 years that we've been doing this have met a successful, consistent market timer. It really makes a long-term difference in the portfolio. In Chicago or New York... If you're working for a big firm, you will find some good market timers. Well, and now it's going to be computer-based. It's right. not going to be you. It's going to be what other, what other mathematical formula you're running that's going to work until it doesn't. Um, and in the long term, the chart goes up in most cases. So if you're owning good dividend-paying stocks that consistently increase their dividend, even in bad economies, you might as well collect that income while the chart's returning back to normal. But where you get hit is timing is everything in retirement because if you're drawing out on the way down, it's a mathematical nightmare. You don't have enough left in there at the bottom for the market to recover. So you've got to have the cash. You've got to have the, enough yield out of your portfolio. You've got to have that safety built in to get through those three out of ten years that tend to be negative. Did you know that an elephant urinates in 20 to 40 seconds, that a human urinates in 20 to 40 seconds, that all mammals urinate in 20 to 40 seconds? Really? Did you know an elephant has 42 gallons of urine? Yeah, you know, I, now that I think about a couple of zoo trips that were kind of funny, yeah. What are you talking about? There you go. So Don't get too close to the elephants. Yeah, so I don't know. It's all mathematical, right? Yeah, I guess so. When you can, t- when you can learn that an elephant takes the same amount of time to pee as me, then you can start understanding how the markets work. It's like a pressure washer. It is. <laughs> One and a half gallons of liquid every second. The stock market works like a pressure washer? Kind of. Oh, okay. Okay, so you're doing a big event tomorrow, one to four, wealth preservation, retirement planning. You've done this event numerous times. Does anything ever surprise you about the event? Um, From the people who show up? 
Not really. I mean, after you and I have been doing these for... 15 years. Yeah, almost 15 years. Yeah, because my son just turned 14, and we met when... He was in their belly. Yep, he was in the belly. So... And uh, so, yeah, 15 years. Um, you know, I think we, we tend to get pretty much the same questions. Um, what we can... Uh, we, we always get out of this is that when everybody starts asking about the same asset class or sector, party's over. You know what I get out of it? I'm surprised, because I run the Money 101 in the morning, mm-hmm. Walnut Creek Marriott tomorrow. Um... I'm surprised at how many people show up with gray hair. Yeah. Like, to me, um, you've got a client, uh, and his daughter's contacting you. Perfect person to be talking about basic things to do, money 101, just get out of college, yep. has a pie-paying job. Perfect person to learn about money. But I'm stunned when I see, like, the, the 60-year-old person showing up for money 101 because I'm like, something went wrong. Right. But yeah, and this guy, I mean, this person is the daughter said, hey, it's been drilled into my head. I've got to save 10% of pay. Got to save 10% of pay for the last 15 years. She's finally out of college, so that's what she knows she has to do. Yeah. And uh, she's learning. She's reading. She's getting this allocation the right way. You know, it's, it's up to parents to tell their kids that because they're not learning it in school, that's for sure. And it is sad. I mean, you see, <clears throat> the majority of the baby boomers are drastically underprepared for retirement. Probably half of those will inherit enough money from the Depression era parents to at least make it through, but the other half, that's, that's why these entitlement programs are there. And I can tell you, I've been speaking with, you know, I've been preparing some speeches for millennial investing, for baby boomer investing, and for Generation X, and the millennials, they're delaying everything. They're delaying getting married. They're delaying having babies. Um, I was interviewing some millennials yesterday, and uh, she's like, so I want to buy a house like my parents did. I'm like, not in California, not with your salary. Yeah. Give up that concept. Like, that's gone. Unless you want to live in Tracy or Stockton. But then that's really not buying what your mom and dad did. Yep. So We had a call like that, too, when you were covering my show for me. Did I? That was the guy was saying, you know, do I, do I stretch it and try to get into this California oh, yeah, house? I'm in yeah. a good school district. I'm running. You know, a lot of cases, if you if, – if the – the test is is that, first of all, number one, are you maxing out your 401K? Because if, if you're not maxing out your 401K and able to upgrade to that next house, you shouldn't do it. Right. You're better off maxing the 401K, saving over a longer period of time for that down payment so that you can get into a cash flow. You felt I gave him a good enough answer because ultimately I told him I don't have a good answer for you. I said maybe rent here in a good district. I would rent here and I would probably go buy a rental property in the Northwest so I still own real estate. There you go. Um, with that said, if you want to get your calls in there, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Big event coming up tomorrow in, Santa, in Walnut Creek at the Marriott. There's two events. One of them is Money 101 in the morning. One of them is Wealth Preservation in the afternoon. You can sign up for the events at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Black and your money. Money and 1220 KDOW. And iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. I'm trying to give a fresh perspective on money and investing. Um, so I was talking to a group of... Let me go over some stories. And this is actually a pretty good one. A friend of mine contacted me this week, Chad, from radio, back when I worked at CNET. He was one of the employees there. And, you know, I've stayed in touch with the guy kind of briefly. He mentioned, you know, I've got this... I, I want to run a business idea by you. So and he sits down, and uh, I give everyone the time of the day. And then quickly I was like, flag, flight, start, got off. 
It's a public traded company. They make some sort of energy-saving device tied towards swimming pools that are now going to be tied towards meters, which the state of Texas is looking into. And he keeps talking about it, and they're going to get orders. Um, I'm like, someone want you to invest in the company? He's like, yep. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, is it publicly traded? Yeah. So he shows me the publicly traded name. I go look it up. It's trading for half of a penny. <laughs> zero, zero, six. Point zero, zero, six. I'm like, I've never, ever, I'm stunned. Um, you look at the disclosure. You know, it's a development company. They've been around for 10 years. They've changed their name three times. Stock is always hitting a new low. They're always issuing more stock. Um, but it's even at a new low for it. And the guy's like, I want to invest in it. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, you have to start asking your friends questions. Like, are you stupid? Do you, do you look at the material, look at the disclosure. The disclosure says it's a development company. It's losing $700 million in 10 years. Or, you know, why do people do this? Well, the interesting thing is, like, why did, why did the company even try to go public at all? I mean, why are they a publicly traded company? They were obviously not ready. They didn't have enough finance. Uh, you know, they didn't do enough rounds of... Pink sheets. Yeah, yeah. It's just... Um, pink it's sheets. like those pump and dump situations. It's crazy, though, because the disclosure is like, we may not be in business. Everything depends on us getting quality parts. Everything depends on us selling the quality parts. Everything depends on... And the disclosures basically say, you know, watch out. But do you remember, probably right about the time we met, the Wall Street Journal, there's an article in it, that in 1996, coming up soon, International Automated Systems is going to be debuting this new hot technology. Um, the founder worked at Lucent, and he went to Brigham Young, and he's a genius, and he's going to be coming. And there's a little ad. And it said it was an ad, but it was, it was also a publicly traded ticker symbol. And it kept saying, on this date, on this date, on this date, on this date. That date came left, and they never had product, and everyone lost money. Yeah. Um, why do people do this? Like, this guy's reasonable, and he wanted to put his whole life savings. He said, if it just goes to fifty cents, I'll make millions. I've had three that three times that, that I can remember this happened. Most recently was about three three years ago. I did a um, business transition uh, type of a seminar with the Vancouver Chamber of Commerce, right up in up in the Northwest. And these guys come to me like they want us to do the financial planning for the company. They want us to run the the 401k and do all the stuff for the company through all these processes of meetings. And finally, they bring this other guy in there to try to get us to sell our clients on investing in their company. It was never any kind of a situation where they're trying to get our services. They just wanted us to get hyped up on their company and try to get our clients to invest in their LED light bulb idea, which was a screw-in LED light bulb to replace screw-in current bulbs. And I just asked him, I said, what's to stop Phillips from creating their own version of the screw and light bulb and completely destroying your company? And they couldn't answer that. And uh, it's so annoying when people try to get get that Amway approach where you have two or three meetings before they actually tell you what the meeting is about. Yeah. And those are always a red flag. Anytime it's a too-good-to-be-true situation, anytime you're investing in somebody that prints their own statements. In this case, what was stunning about it was the, the guy called me the next day after I told him, look, they're losing all this money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a penny stock. I think these are probably mafia-related scenarios where the two people who are running the company are just somehow pulling money out, and they're getting you to buy the pink sheet stock. And yeah. He called me the next day. He's like, so do you want to meet with my partner and talk about this idea a little bit more? Like, I think I was pretty damn clear 
go away. Like, <laughs> I gave you a good shot. I let you pitch yourself. It's like Shark Tank, you know? Yeah. You pitched a story that sucked. And yet people will continue to do this. So Swimming pools in Texas. That's a good one. <laughs> um, yeah. And, it, you know, again, there are going to be stories that people buy into. I mean, you and I knew a, a financial coach that when you go and see what she did, she was putting people in liens and she was putting people in, like, crazy scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you got a client from one of those people that knew her, uh, the relief pitcher. No. 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 Um, that is, that's no longer a client. This is a... This is a, that's the thing is some, some of these financial coaches. This is what happened to this woman. So she a large a divorce, large settlement, three and a half million dollars. By the time we met with her, she was going to be broke by sixty five as much as she was spending money. Right. Then she got to the flip side of that, where she started in this coaching thing and got this whole other people's money, and she got got into the real estate side. We were managing a portion of the money for, her. and then she got into. Um, through that same system, some sort of a day trading type of a situation, oh, and she essentially lost her her livelihood. She would. I talked to her one day, and she kept, she kept asking these random technical questions, and I knew she was trading with some of her own money. And I said, and this was a beautiful, beautiful woman. Sorry, right? I remember. And she she could have just gone out and married rich again. And I said, I, I why am I picturing you sitting in your apartment, in you know, nice apartment, obviously. Scantily clad and broad. No, no, no. She was literally, she hadn't showered. She'd been up 24 hours, and she was looking at technical issues on small cap stocks, and and it was like a deer in headlights trying to figure out which ones to buy and all this other stuff. I'm like, you are overthinking this, and and you need to get out of this coaching system because every single trend, whether it was real estate, it was private oil and gas deals that they were doing, yeah. she kept getting sucked in and losing money into all these different items. Some people are destined to lose money. Because they get, they're always looking for that silver bullet. They're always looking for the thing that's going to make them rich, so they can just stop doing everything else. And it's just steady and consistent. That's how you win. So, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I don't know. You got a bunch of papers in front of you there. Um, let's talk about let's talk about Twitter because you said something yesterday. Twitter. Um, yeah, young people are on Facebook, right? You got you keep quoting me. Like, stop listening to my show, you weirdo. I, I was driving when you were doing the show in between meetings. So okay. I actually heard you for once. I mean, you and I never listen to each other anymore, right? I, I haven't heard you in 15 years. I know. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't think I've heard you ever. Oh, come on. You keep... You Except keep for yesterday. It, you keep bringing it up. Well, no, Twitter, you were, you were, you were, this was a conversation, actually, you and I had that, that Facebook, oh, yeah. young kids aren't on Facebook anymore. Right. They've gone to either Instagram or, or Twitter. And um, I was kind of having that conversation with some clients last night, and they're like, you know, they're 60 years old. And we, do we, should we be on Twitter? We don't even know what it is. I'm, well, well, Twitter's basically, you know, changed how people get news. But when you try to explain, and Twitter isn't doing a good job of this, of how 60-year-olds, whether or not they should be on Twitter, they're just, that demographic I don't think is, is quite there for them. I said, well, there's a certain um, they own a, uh, wine and restaurant in Palo Alto. Okay. Well, are there any labels that you follow? Do you, you know... Those are the type of things where you don't have to go in and look, go log in and look this stuff up. You can get their direct news feed and always know when something right. is up. That's the way that news is now. Right. Um, but I think if Twitter gets that figured out, it's going to be pretty pretty interesting to see. Oh, I don't think Twitter wants the 60-year-old people. Really? Yeah. In the world of advertising, it's all about 18 to 35. Yeah. 
So, but it's such a huge population, though, Rob. I mean, the boomers. <laughs> yeah, they stay at home and watch Oprah. Yeah, like we just said, most of them don't have any money, unfortunately. Let's go to a phone call, Mark in Danville. Please, Mark, please don't blow it. <laughs> I, I will do my best. So, uh, my question is I've heard you both probably advocate, you know, say 15% for retirement. Yeah. And the question is what should I do with, you know, after I've saved 15% for retirement? Should I pay down my house, which is, you know, a pretty decent interest rate, but, you know, going to be paying on it for the next 30 years, or should I, you know, put it in some other investment and uh, save for, you know, rental properties, or, or what do you guys think? Have you, um, that your 15%, is that maxing out your 401k? Are you at the t- upper limits? Uh, yeah, yeah, maxing out 401k and, and saving beyond that as well. Okay, are you, and you're, are you eligible for a Roth? Uh, uh, Roth IRA? Yep. Uh, Roth 401k, I actually have that, but I, I'm actually doing traditional 401k. I'm thinking I should probably convert to the Roth, but... Well, I don't know. It sounds like you're a high-income earner in California. So what you could do is if you're not eligible for a Roth IRA because you make too much, you can do a backdoor conversion Roth IRA. That's where you... Traditional IRA and then convert it to a Roth. Yep. Yep. So have have you done that process? Uh, I did it once, but uh, I would have. So I guess I could still, you know, contribute what fifty five hundred bucks a year and to a traditional uh, traditional IRA and then convert that. I guess to, immediately to a Roth. Yeah, you can do that for you and your spouse if you're married. Now, if you, as long as you don't have any other IRAs, it's going to be a tax free event typically. So you'd want to yeah. do that, and then before you do anything else, I'd want you to get at least a year's worth of income saved up in index funds outside of your four hundred one k. So things like total stock market, total international stock market, with some emerging markets in there as well. After you get that done, that that year's worth of savings, then you can start saving for like a down payment on a rental property. You got to be financially prepared and be able to back a bad renter or bad situations in that rental property before you take that next step. And what do you think about? Hold for the break. Hold for the break. We'll, We'll we'll finish this question. We've got a hard break coming up. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't forget, we've got a seminar coming up in Walnut Creek. We don't have a hard break like you do. Oh, okay. This is a professional radio show. We've got 10 seconds, 9 seconds. Big event, retirement planning tomorrow, Walnut Creek from Marriott. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Chad Burton and myself are going to be working an extra day this week. We're working Saturday in Walnut Creek, a wealth preservation retirement planning event as well as in Money 101, we're doing a fundraiser, $5 to get in, and or donate your old cell phone. Uh, if you want to uh, donate your cell phone and get a passcode so you can sign up online, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Chad, you and I just, I'm um, brushing up for a speaking gig coming up at a corporation, and one of the things they gave me was the, H- they gave me a very limited HR package, so like they edited out a lot of their proprietary information. But, up to 12% of pay, 401k retirement plan. That's that's a pretty good perk. You know what? 
most people don't take advantage of the perks their companies give them. They never get to know what HR offers or doesn't offer. Yeah. And that could be a big reason why you stay at a company. Um, and what was funny is the company that I'm talking about, I don't want to say because I'm about to say something kind of odd about it. Um, a lot of their employees bitch and moan about Facebook has this uh, and, uh, you know, this company's got this. Like, they got sleep pods at Google. I want a sleep pod. And this company <laughs> doesn't have a sleep pod. Give me 6% match. Yeah, yeah. Over a sleep pod. Oh, please. yes. Absolutely. I can do a power nap in my car in 15 minutes. That's, that's totally fine. Let's go back to the call. I believe his name was uh, Hans. Hans Gruber. <laughs> do you remember Hans Gruber? Hans, uh, so yeah. Well, what were we talking about? Okay. So, yeah. You got uh, you're looking at rental property after you've maxed out your 401k, right? Yeah, maxed out 401k, save 15 percent. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, do I save for a rental property or when do I start paying off my house, which is money for the next 30 years? And how old are you, Mark? I'm 41. 41. Um, I I would. The only time that I'm telling people to pay down their mortgages tends to be if you're real close to retirement and you've got. A whole bunch of cash, you've already got plenty of stocks, you've got a whole bunch of cash, and you're trying to make the decision on, do I put this in CDs or bonds, and or do I fix my cash flow by paying off my mortgage because it's you know 15 years into a 30-year mortgage and you're no longer getting any tax deductions for it. You're in California, and that tax deduction is pretty valuable because of your federal and state deduction that you get. Um, so I would not pay down your mortgage. I would continue to save and invest in a, in, in a tax-efficient manner outside your 401k using kind of the, the indexing approach, using ETFs. Um, where do you trade at now, Mark? Where do you have a, a brokerage account set up? Uh, it's a share builder. I don't know what it is now. I think that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, share builder, and, that, and that's fine if you like to put together kind of your own own funds, essentially. But when you invest and if you have a TD Ameritrade account or a Schwab account, there's so many ETFs, exchange-traded funds, that you can buy for free. There's no trading costs involved, and, and there's no costs as long as you hold them for typically about 90 days. Okay. So that's that's the place to really get started because you don't want to get into a rental property and not have a lot of assets outside your retirement accounts because that's when you get that bad renter that steals all your toilets and sinks and all of a sudden you've got a $30,000 fix-up before you can get the next renter in there and then all of a sudden you've got a ne- negative cash flow property. And sure. I mean, you know, do you have $200,000 to put down for a good rental property here in the Bay Area? Uh, and I'd be broke after that, but yeah. Yep, and and so uh, you might be there then. You got to save enough to have your down payment plus some funds and reserve after that. And right now you're you're also dealing with hedge funds and private equity that are buying these places for all cash. So if you want to get into the rental business, I would encourage it because I think it's it's another asset class that can be really really good over time. But you want to get into the ones that are you know where you put twenty percent down. And you still have positive income somewhere, and that might be outside of the Bay Area. So you might need to be willing to travel and go find a good property manager, a good real estate agent elsewhere. Right. Um, and I wouldn't go to the you know Phoenixes and stuff like that. I go. I like I like the Northwest because I have real estate up there. But that's just me. You got to find somebody maybe someplace maybe where you oh, have a Seattle. friend or a relative. Seattle's right. very expensive too. Is it? Yeah. So Seattle's demographically speaking. Thanks for the call. Thanks, uh, gentlemen. It's one of the areas that I would move to if I was twenty something and not really working out here in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, they love high-tech high tech needs. Every, yeah, and there's some great suburbs out of Seattle that are that you could still do some good job inve- do investing. I mean, for me, though, Seattle being, you know, having an office in Vancouver, Washington, which is right by Portland, Oregon, in addition to our San Mateo office, 
Seattle gets just that much more rain, like 60 more days of rain than Portland does, even only it's two and a half hours north. It's just too much. Oh, come on. You live in too much. Portland, which basically is rain capital of the world. You deny it, but I've been there 24 times in the last three years. It was 74 degrees yesterday, right? 22 out of 24 <laughs> times it's been raining. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's tough. The the it, we have people all the time because we have people from California say, "Hey, I'm going to move to the Northwest and move to Washington. There's no income tax, so I can take all my retirement accounts out. I'll go, you know, find some land and grow my grapes and make some wine." Right. And we always encourage them, "Okay, keep your home here in California. Rent it out for a year or two to make sure that you can handle the winters in the Northwest." Yeah, it's a big change to go. I mean, October's are typically nice, but November, December, January, February, unless you're at the mountain on the snow, it's a lot of rain. And so you sell your property here in California, you've given up that Prop 13 tax basis, you're never going to get it back. So before you move out of state, maybe hold on to that for a little while. It's interesting. Climate is such a big issue because um, I'm never going back to the East Coast. Like, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, I will probably die somewhere near Tahoe or somewhere in California. So yeah. I'm preparing for that death benefit. Big, long nap. You know, this is a big issue, too, for people that there's a lot of people that want to move out of the state. So we can talk about um, that that really sweet spot between 65 and 70, especially for those that move out of the state of California to, to know the state income tax area and how important it is to look at a Roth conversion over a fi- over that five-year period. If you want to contact Ted, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. You could... Come out and meet both Chen and I. We're doing a fundraiser tomorrow uh, in Marriott in Walnut Creek. It's a bit of a hike for me. Um, we're giving up our Saturdays. And we're doing a little bit of a fundraiser. So if you want to donate a phone or pay $5 to come, it's a Money 101 event in the morning, a wealth accumulation. In the afternoon, it's self-preservation retirement planning. A lot of hardcore information, um, a lot of good basic information, and some antidotes that support the decisions that we're pushing out there. With that said, you can sign up for the event, robblack.com. It's robblack.com. If you want to donate a cell phone and get a free entry code, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Happy Friday to you. The uh, Amazon number, pretty good. UPS number, pretty good. Microsoft number, pretty good. Um, Southwest hinted something on their conference call that bags may not fly free soon. They said, you know, if the customer's good with a la carte, we'll consider what the customer is good with. That little vagueness tells you that they may raise fees next year, and that would be a positive for the stock. Yeah, that's why many are still positive on airlines. Yeah, the bag fees? Mm-hmm. It's a billion and a half of extra revenue that it's created for airlines. And they want to merge? Not mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah. Um, SP 500 is up three today. The Dow is up 29. NASDAQ's up 14. 10-year treasury is 2.5%. A little sad by that. I want the 10-year treasury back to 3, 3.5%. I want the good old days of healthy economy and not... Fed stimulus? Low-cost money. Yep. Yeah. You know, I was talking to um, Briefing.com this week, Patrick O'Hare, and I said, you know, the 90s were really defined by productivity and technology and a lot of hiring and, you know, good employment numbers and stock market roared and 2000s have been kind of low-cost money. So what's going to do it next? 
<laughs> you know, what, what's our next leg up? And it, every 10 years has a different story, which is kind of interesting. And the financial stocks did great in the 80s and 90s. Um, tech stocks really took over the 90s. Um, leadership changes. Retail did great in the 60s. Um, oil in the 70s. So could be oil again in the North America energy revolution. What's interesting is when people invest in those types of stocks, and there's so many drilling stocks and, and different stocks that are involved in North America energy independence. And you can go back to that example that you've probably used on the air before, is that the main company that benefited from the California gold rush and that boom was Levi's. You know, jeans and pickaxes. And so a lot of times it's not the companies that go up the fastest in some sort of a boom that people invest in because then they fall really, really hard when that boom is over. It's the other companies that get ancillary business from the boom, and they build long-term brands. So, Which you and I were vaguely hitting on earlier in the show, and this is CFP Chad Burton. Um, when I said Seattle's got tech jobs, I mean, mm-hmm. those jobs aren't going to go away, but it's the ancillary stuff that I would – if I – we're not getting ahead in life. I would look to go somewhere where their jobs are because that's where economies grow around them and that's where you can, you know, be an electrician. That's where you can, you know, sell Levi jeans and uh, find a husband, things like that. Yeah. So. It's, well, maybe that'll save California then because baby boomers can't afford to retire here. They'll have to sell their houses and and uh, the people that buy them will pay higher property taxes. Maybe. <laughs> Um, we shall see. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a very good outlook. And again, you know, we, we, you and I were talking about this earlier. That A guy called my show earlier this week, and, you know, he wanted to buy a house because he's renting a house, and he's mid-age. He's a, a, a huge sound like he was 40, right? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't own a home. A lot of people who protect and defend California as the greatest thing since sliced bread don't realize that Pittsburgh used to be a great city. And Cleveland used to be a great city. And Detroit used to be a great city. Yeah. Um, there's more tech jobs now in New York City than there are in the Silicon Valley. So it's it's kind of a scary time to, you know, stand your ground, per se. Yeah, that's why I just, it's so sad to see people stretch out their, just to get into that next house, that next upgrade, they stop adding to their 401k, and then they're in this great, nice home where they think they're going to give dinner parties all the time and have friends over all the time, and all of a sudden they're just in a home that is too expensive for them, and they're struggling everywhere else in life. Yeah. You do not want to be in that situation. It's horrible. You could eat through a lot of savings, uh, yeah. living above your ways and means. So you and I are doing two events tomorrow in Wannock Creek, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning in the afternoon. That's run by you, Money 101, All Things Financial, run by me in the morning. We're going to be talking some pillars of retirement income. Uh, we're going to be talking estate planning. Is Michelle Orman showing up? Yeah, yep, she'll be there. Okay. So what do we need to know about your event in the afternoon at the Marriott? Well, in terms of what Michelle will talk about, I mean, the market, since it's pushed forward so rapidly, I mean, you've got huge returns from the bottom in 2008, or 2009 was actually the bottom. Um, so asset prices have, have skyrocketed since then. Your real estate, your stocks, your businesses, everything's up. And so that's created a lot of extra problems on the estate planning side um, in terms of how we leave money to our kids these days. I mean, what's becoming more and more obvious is that a lot of, by the time kids inherit money, they tend to be in that 35 to 45 age range in most cases. And so all of a sudden they get all this money or the final distribution on the three-year distribution plan that you thought you were so smart that you put in your trust, and that's right when they get divorced, and then half the family money goes to the ex-spouse because they don't do things the right way. So how to leave money to your kids responsibly so it doesn't ruin them. Um, that's a big key. 
also most people have trusts that are way too complicated. I was talking to a couple last night that hadn't reviewed their trust since 2001, and they were they were still thinking just because they helped settle their parents' estate last year that a certain amount of money has to go into what's called a credit shelter or bypass trust at the first death. That doesn't necessarily have to happen now. So I would say the majority of married couples that have been married for a long time and are going to likely stay married, majority of them have trusts that are way too complicated now, Rob. They they create expensive trusts at their death that we don't we no longer need it because in January a law was passed that says that as long as the first person files an estate tax return, their credit, their estate tax credit that they can leave to theirs will transfer over to their spouse automatically, just as long as they file a return. It doesn't have to go into a trust anymore. Now, you may still need that or you still may want it, but people just don't understand what their trusts say. It's You ask them, hey, you spent you know, $2,500, $4,500 for this trust. Do you know what it says? And they, it's been so long since they've looked at it, they have no idea when their kids get the money. That's pretty intimidating, though, too, because we tend to live in the, in the now. Yeah. Asking people to pull up insurance papers that they signed, asking them to show, you know, pull the trust, it's, people don't want to do that. Yeah. That's got to be one of the biggest things that you run into that, that drives you crazy is that people buy things, they sign things, they acquire things, and then they like they're, move on. And they're willing to pay thousands for it, and they don't understand it. I've got one of my planners, um, Nicole, she's a certified financial planner practitioner, but she was also a JD attorney. Um, so she's really, really good at looking at a trust and putting it into a diagram yeah. that says, okay, when the first person dies, here's what happens. You know, square, triangle. <laughs> when the second person dies, here's what happens. And tying dollar amounts to that so that people can visualize what happens with their estate. And if, you, if you can't... What are you doing with your headphones? I'm, I'm trying not to let it mess up my hair for the rest of the day. Oh, you're kidding me. So I keep it on the back. I've done this for 15 years. I keep it on the back of my head, but these headphones are keep falling off because they don't fit. You're trying to protect that head hairstyle? I cannot stand headphone hair. That's the funniest thing. I'm not going to go do meetings and just have this line from one ear to the other where it's just mashed down. That's so funny. Thanks for noticing, though. Way to way to just bring the train to a complete halt. Okay, Eva, I think you did it with the square and triangle thing. Were you done? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so Microsoft, big winner today. Amazon, big winner today. Zynga, big winner today. Decker's outdoor revenue beat expectations. Uh, results also exceed the footwear maker's prior forecast. I think Decker's, Decker's outdoor. Like, there's so many stocks out there. Yeah. Yeah. Now is a great time, Rob, to take your portfolio, plug it into Morningstar, because you have um, some of these companies like Microsoft and Apple that are S&P 500 stocks. That people will own XLK thinking they don't have diversification. People own SPY thinking they have diversification. There's so many stocks that are showing up in the same indexes. It's time to figure out how much you have. We'll talk about it. Big event coming up tomorrow in Walnut Creek Retirement Planning and Money 101. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. And your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW. Welcome back to the show. Sitting in here with Rob Black, it's me, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. Rob wants me to take the call from 
Michelle Lerman, our favorite estate planning attorney here in the Bay Area. It's going to be with us this Saturday, Walnut <laughs> Creek Marriott. And, Michelle, you're going to be talking about the five biggest estate planning problems that this, that this hot market creates. So when assets go up, more money, more problems, right? That's right. That's right. So give us a quick rundown of, of, of those five things and kind of a preview into some of the things that you're going to be talking about on Saturday. Yeah, what I'm seeing a lot of is very overly complicated estate plans. That is a big problem. People think, oh, I've got so many assets, uh, my uh, net worth has grown, and they end up with a lot of estate planning that they simply don't need and they can't understand. The other problem I see is a lot more fighting because when asset values go up, there's a lot more at stake when the estate plan goes wrong. So it's a lot easier to take something to the courts, which is a lot more expensive, when there is more at stake that people are fighting over. And I think what's also um, happening is that people worry more about children and spoiling children because they're leaving more to children. And there's such simple, easy ways to protect children, but people need to be educated about how to do that. So there's a quick three out of the five. How's that? That's good. So give us a little bit more on the spoiling kids. So with three little ones, that's always one of my main concerns is is having them know about money, having them think about money. It's a tool, and but it can also ruin people. So how do you how do how do you not ruin people with the wealth that you've created? Well, one thing that we do is we are a firm believer in keeping assets in trust for the lifetime of children. And that doesn't mean that you never give your kids access to the money. That would be silly. But there is a funny story that I did meet with someone who said that she wanted to um, she wanted to make sure that someone other than her child was in charge. And I said, well, what age do you want your child to be in charge? And she said, oh, I don't know, I think by 65. So maybe that's a little old <laughs> to make a child in charge of their own money. But we can keep assets in trust, child. And we can still um, we can still have them uh, be in charge. So we make the child the trustee of the trust, but we continue the trust for the full lifetime of the child. So that's a really important tool to know about. So they can eventually become the trustee. So it's still left in trust, a separate property, separate from their spouse, separate from their ex-spouse, separate from all those things that they could end up losing family money, right? Right. Well, you know, you bring up a really good point, Chad, when you say from the spouse, because one of the things that we look at is whether the money that your child inherits could be um, a source of payment for um, spousal support if your child gets married and then divorced. So that's a really big topic and how to design a trust to minimize the chance that it could end up going to pay support payments to a um to a divorcing spouse. Yeah, I mean, you see, so you get, what, 50% of, 55% of marriages end in divorce, and then 60% of second marriages end in divorce. So I imagine this comes up a lot where you're doing multi-generational planning for, for right. people that are trying to say, okay, I've got these kids, I've got these kids, and I still need these assets set aside for these kids, and how, how do you do all that? How do you line that up? Right. 
Absolutely. And in fact, what that also makes me think about is how often I have clients come in with a very young second spouse and say, okay, I have all this money from my first spouse that I inherited when my first spouse passed away, and instead of leaving it to my children, I am now remarried and I want to leave it to my young second spouse. Yep. And I have nothing against young second spouses per se, but I think when a married couple does an estate plan, they have to not only look at the tax issues, are there going to be estate taxes, but they also have to look at the real-life issue of what would happen if one spouse died. Do you want to give your spouse the power to leave those assets to a new spouse instead of leaving them to the children of the marriage? Yeah, and it gets so complicated because there's one thing, too, where ERISA law will kind of trump family law. So let's say you get into that second marriage, right? And in the prenup, you say, hey, I want my 401K. This is my asset. It's going to go to my kids. And so you try to get your, your new spouse to sign off on that. And maybe they do. Maybe they sign off on the prenup. However, ERISA law basically says only a spouse can waive their rights to the retirement plan assets. And when they sign the prenup, they're not your spouse. They're not waiving the rights on that specific form that the retirement plan has. And so that could absolutely mean nothing in a divorce case. Right. And so it's really important to make sure that the estate plan um, addresses those issues so that you don't have a spouse then contesting the plan because you left it to the kids and then the spouse is going to come and claim, no, that really is my money. And um, I'm actually um, just preparing uh, uh, to talk tomorrow more about no contest clauses. And it's a clause in a trust that says if you contest, you get nothing. And so there is a way to force a spouse to accept the provisions in a trust because if they contest that, then they might not get, they might not uh, even get what was left for them in the trust. So there is a way to prevent fighting and as assets grow, we really need to look at customizing a trust and figure out who are the troublemakers and uh, potential troublemakers and how do we make sure everything goes smoothly without fighting. Good point, good point. And, and we're talking about leaving assets, and we're talking about second marriages and things like that, but a lot of times I mean, people need to realize that a, a revocable living trust is a living, breathing document. You have to update it, amend it every once in a while based I on new laws. You, yes, and I can't tell you how often people don't do that or how often, and I listened to your podcast, by the way. It was great on um, avoiding nightmares uh, with estate planning and how often I agree with you that people, they'll remarry and then they'll have the first spouse named on the beneficiary designation. Um, Or in your podcast, I think it was even a girlfriend that was named and then they had broken up. And when you name someone on that beneficiary designation, that's who pretty much is going to get it. It doesn't matter if your situation has changed. Although there is a probate code section dealing with an omitted spouse if it was inadvertent by mistake. But, um, yeah, it's problematic. You've got to keep it updated. We've got about a minute left, too. I guess the, the... The biggest issue, too, is avoiding probate. Can you give a quick example on probate costs in in about 30 seconds? Probate is very expensive in California and can easily be avoided. Probate is just a court procedure that happens if your assets either don't have beneficiary designations or if they aren't put in a living trust. Um, There are ways to avoid probate, and it's simple and easy, but I had a 
client who passed away. Got to cut it there. We're we're out of time. Sorry, Michelle. To Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talk about things financial. It's Friday. Happy Friday to you. If you're in the East Bay tomorrow, stop by, drop off a cell phone. I'm doing a little phone fundraiser, doing two events. Speaking at Money 101, All Things Financial, teaching all the basic things that you need about money and investing. In the afternoon, CFP Chad Burtz will be talking wealth preservation, retirement planning. It's more of a wealth preservation. It's more of a – I break it down into wealth accumulators and wealth preservers. And until you're 50, I think you're accumulating. After you get to about 50, start preserving, unless you have an extraordinary circumstance on either side of the fence. That's where you should probably be, roughly. Mr. Burton, how are you today? Good. So people can sign up for those events tomorrow at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. If you want to donate a phone, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com. It's pretty intimidating, the whole financial planning process. Um, but I think the bottom line is, do I have enough? Like, that's one of the fun things that I try to do is say you need X amount of dollars by age 30. You know, I think you need about one and a half times your salary by age 30. You know, it's it's not a science, though. You know, where you live, budget, how much you spend in retirement, good health, bad health. Uh, you need 10 to 20 times your salary before you retire. And, again, there's no no right answer on that. Is that an intimidating number to you, 10 to 20 times your salary? 10 to 20 times your salary for insurance? For retirement. Oh, well, not really. I mean, an easier way to do it is you can take your gross income need, which a lot of people don't know who what that is, and divide it by, you know, point zero four. Does it have anything to do with bill gross? No, most people don't most people don't know gross income. So gross is before taxes. Okay. And you think times it by what? Four? Yeah, well so pe- some people know their expenses. Okay. Right? So that that's essentially you're spending your net. But on top of that you need your health care costs that you're not thinking about in retirement and you need to also draw out enough for your portfolios to pay taxes on what you draw. So you have to work backwards to figure out what your gross income need is, your, which is everything. It's in your taxes, your insurance, Uncle Sam, all of it. And you don't want to retire if you're living off of more than 4% of your portfolio right now. I was talking to my dentist yesterday, and uh, he, he brought up an interesting angle. He's like, most people don't realize what benefits they get when they sign on to AARP dental plans and how much they're getting and not getting. Because I'm always trying to find out what people's relationship with money is. So mm-hmm. when I'm talking to a doctor, I'm like, how do you like dealing with insurance companies? How do you like you know getting repayments? And who who has the best coverage? Who has the worst coverage? And ultimately talk to their secretary or their admin person because they're the ones doing all the paperwork. But yeah, um, yeah in retirement, your teeth start going bad because you've been putting a whole life of, of wear and tear on those things. Right. And that work is expensive. Yeah. And personal dental insurance is just pretty much worthless. I mean, unless you get full coverage through your company's plan or something like that, it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, and that's what most people find, so they end up paying for it out of pocket, especially in retirement when you get that major work done. And that's why 
there's two ways to look at it. Fidelity did a study, and they said set $250,000 aside to pay for extra health insurance costs and co-pays and things like that. Okay. So you take 250, peel it out of your overall portfolio. I like to put it in as a monthly budget item and have that grow with 5% inflation, which is what it's been doing. And that number tends to be around six, seven hundred bucks a month per person in retirement. Because you got Medicare Part B, which is 105. You got your supplemental insurance. Um, you've got um, all of the copays and the prescription drug costs that average six or seven hundred dollars a month, including some long-term care help um, throughout your retirement. Thirty-five years, that amount of money growing with inflation at five percent—it's a significant part of your overall spending in retirement. So what's, how often do people come to your office and meet with you talking about, you know, they're ready to turn their assets over to you, they're ready to retire? How often do you have to say, mm, not a good idea, um, not enough here? Probably, I would say 20 to 30% of the time. Okay. Um, that, and it, it's, it's less now than it used to be. I don't know if it's because people listen on the radio all the time and they, they get my basic strategies and they realize that, okay, I'm not even close to having enough yet, so I better keep plugging away. But the worst conversations, which I tend to have at least four or five a year, is that when people that are retired, they come in. And then you have to show them, you know, your money with inflation is probably going to run out when you're 80, 85. So what's plan B? Are you doing the reverse mortgage? Are you moving out of the state? Um, you know, here's what your situation is. So you either live without an inflation adjustment, which means your standard of living is going to decrease over time, or you take another measure, which is go back to work, uh, sell your home, downsize. Maybe you're going to inherit some money. You never want to count on that in a financial plan, though, because you never know when mom or dad is going to go into an extended care facility and your inheritance is gone. Yeah. So don't don't count on that in your financial plan. How about um, in retirement? What are some things people should count on? Uh, active life until how long, and then passive life. What do you typically see? Usually more spending the first several years of retirement okay. to do the honey do lists, the the bucket list, the traveling, the the RV things like that. One of the things you can count on is the busier you are, you tend to, is the happier you are. Okay. Especially if you've gone and you've been a high income earner and you've worked. You know, 40 to 60 hours a week. Yeah. And you retire with no hobbies or interests or anything like that. So you really have to do some life planning to figure out what are you going to do? What's going to motivate you to get out, out of bed? What's going to make you happy? Uh, maybe for you, Rob, it would be teaching at community college, you said. I mean, I can't imagine you not on radio. I don't know. Oh, it'll happen. I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah. So, I mean, you've got, you've got to think about that, though. And uh, I'd get in trouble if I taught at a community college. <laughs> I just know I would. <laughs> You know what I don't like? I don't even want to go there. Wait, wait, you know what I don't like about the what you just said at community college? There's a lot of people, like life insurance people, who will teach a class at a community college, and really it's just trying to get business. Right. And that's, I mean, that's just slimy. Well, everybody's got a business angle in life, right? But to say you're a teacher? Right. To teach the class, the community college thing, um, especially in there's and there ends up being pitches for annuities or life insurance, or the education becomes more of a sales pitch. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. I don't like it. Um, that is an angle that a lot of advisors use, and they're very successful doing it. But, you know, with that said, one of the things you can count on in retirement is that you're going to go through lots of different market cycles. We've gone through a very low inflation environment for the last 10 years. Odds are in the next 30 years that you retire, you're going to deal with a high inflation environment. 
So you have to have a strategy in place. But right now, it's gradually increasing interest rates. What's your strategy there to deal with that? What type of changes have you made in your overall bond allocation? If we do start to see inflation, do you have a strategy to transition into more commodity and inflation-protected security-type-based assets when that market cycle comes around? And the biggest issue is that 3 out of 10 years are negative, and you cannot draw on your portfolio in a down market. It, it's, it's disaster if you do. Because the market will recover. I mean, we've seen 2000 to 2003 recovery, mm-hmm. 2007 to 2012, and 2012 recovery. The markets will recover unless you're selling on the way down and on the way back up. So you have to have that certain amount of cash. So you, there's more monitoring and rebalancing that goes on in retirement, and uh, you've got to be a little bit more proactive. I was trying to get you to answer a question. I'm not sure if you, you heard me, but is there an age that you're seeing with clients where it just like starts to click? Um, spending goes way down. Money, sales, like... Yeah, I'd say about 80. You, 80? you, let, you travel less. Okay. Um, and anybody that... Any boomers that, you know, care for their parents, they see that, you know, they, food costs tend to go down. You don't eat as much. You know, they might have a piece of toast at breakfast yeah. and, and dinner at 4 o'clock and <laughs> play bridge till 8 and they're going to bed. So it, it just... the Some of the travel and hobby expenses go down starting in, in the 80s, but that's really about it. Okay. So, um, you can come meet Chad tomorrow. He's going to be in Walnut Creek at the Marriott doing the financial planning, wealth preservation event, also the Money 101 event. The Money 101 is in the morning. The wealth preservation planning is in the afternoon. $5 to get in goes to charity. And, or if you want to donate a phone, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. I'll send you out a code so you can come on in. You can follow Chad at NewFocusFinancial.com. It's NewFocusFinancial.com. You can also, also um, listen to a show every day, Monday through Friday, from 1 to 2 p.m., New Focus on Wealth. And then there's a replay Mondays and Thursdays at 6 p.m. Anything else that we need to talk about, Chad, as far as the events go tomorrow? Um, let's see. I mean, if, if you're really... We're, I'm going to talk a lot about bond alternatives, too. Bond alternatives. And we can talk about that maybe if we have time in the next segment. Because there's different types of bond alternatives depending on where you are. So if you're looking for a bond alternative because you see that, you know, basic bond funds paying about 3% and they can lose money if interest rates go up rapidly. If you're looking for a bond alternative but you don't need income for several years, there's one type. If, you, if you're looking for a bond alternative but you want income right now or within the next 12 to 24 months, there's a different type that you want to look at. So I'll talk about those at the event as well. The market's in earnings season at this point in time. We're hitting record highs on a pretty regular basis. S&P 500's up 3, the Dow's up 29, the NASDAQ up 14. Are you a little bit surprised at how well housing's done, the autos have done, the overall economy has done, and thus the stock market's done, Chad? Because it seems like we're in facing drama on a regular basis with employment numbers not being where we want them. Well, it's the same drama over and over again. The market starts to get immune to it, climb the wall of worry, and get a little bit too euphoric. So, yeah, I mean, we got, we got fair valuations here, fully valued. We need earnings, or we need revenue growth. You can contact Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. You can listen to his show every day, Monday through Friday from 1 to 2. Come in, meet us tomorrow, Walnut Creek at the Marriott. You can get more information about the events at robblack.com. It's robblack.com.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. What you doing? I thought my I was playing through my headphones, but apparently the uh, got to turn my computer sound off. <laughs> are we doing a show now? Are we on there? We, we are. Just hang on. Just try to focus on tomorrow okay. on the creek. You watched the World Series last night? Not at all. Nor did I. So, something about when your team's not in it, it's just the biggest boringest affair on the planet. Right? <laughs> it really is, unless you're there with a nice beer in hand and some friends in the beer garden, not watching the actual game. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that I, I do is I read a lot of economists and studying, you know, the scenarios in the economy, um, manufacturing in the U.S. and how it went away and starting to come back because of the cost of transportation. It's cheaper sometimes to manufacture stuff here after you factor in transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your overall feeling on the U.S. economy at this point in time as far as GDP goes? I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, though, where you're how, – how important that number is in terms of being able to measure growth. It's almost more like global GDP now because if you look at the S&P 500, I think it's about 54 55% of the revenue – of the companies that the companies in the S&P 500 create is coming from overseas. So it's more of a global view that you have to take now, an individual company view versus just U.S. GDP. Um, But it's changed. I think what could create just the next bull market that would say, okay, it's time for me to drastically overweight in small cap and mid cap stocks is a tax overhaul and the ability for companies to repatriate cash here in the U.S., if if that happens and that would cause more dollar buying from corporations bringing their cash back into the U.S., that's going to have to flow somewhere, and that's likely going to flow to create jobs, you know, in small mid-cap areas. It feels, if you watch media and if you read economists, that the world economy is just going to be a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're not going back to our dad's GDP. On a global basis, we're not going back to our dad's GDP on a U.S. basis. Of we say we like you know, GDP three, three and a half percent. Yeah, now it's over two. We're happy. Right. Mm-hmm. So that makes it a little bit tougher to be a winner. Well, and when you look at it too, there's a recession typically ends up right around the corner when when GDP falls under two for a short period of time. Uh, I can't remember what the statistic is off the top of my head in terms of how far away a recession typically is. I mean, we we tend to have recessions. Every three to five years anyways, right? Part of the overall economic system. But will we get back to that three to three and a half GDP? Not sure. Now you have to look at just a more of a global view of investing. And, uh, you know, there's still a lot of interesting developments. I mean, did you think solar was going to be doing this well? No. Two years ago? That's something that I didn't think was going to do that great. I mean, it just seems like. It was being produced in China at a cheaper cost, and it wasn't going to catch on as much here. And but you see stocks like Solar City just soaring. It's doing very, very well. Yeah. And again, a lot, a lot of the thought was that the subsidies would go away, which Germany still has a lot of subsidies. Mm. Um, but they're also kicking butt as far as transmission goes, um, yeah. pushing up their grid, so to speak. Um, Both of Europe and emerging markets crushed um, the U.S. markets in the third quarter. How are they looking for the year? Um, I've not still still, bell, still behind okay. the S&P 500, so you're still looking at uh, 
uh, probably about a 40% differential, 30 to 40%, depending on if you're looking at emerging markets versus Europe. But in terms of valuation and what's fully valued versus fairly valued, um, you're, you're seeing a little bit more value over there. But again, what could change all that and say, okay, forget my idea of continuing to start to add more and more to international and bring it back into the U.S. small mid-cap would be that really what we need is we've got the monetary policy, quantitative easing, is extraordinary monetary policy. It's above and beyond normal. And so the next step that we need is fiscal. And right now we don't have a Congress that can put that through. We don't have a, a leadership that can put that through, and that's what the economy really needs is to so the companies can really, right now they have to, as publicly traded companies, they have to focus on how do they save as much tax dollars as possible for their shareholders. It's part of their mandate. So they do these things, and there's so many stupid loopholes and time that's spent you know, not paying taxes instead of just a flat tax type of system. Think we'll ever see a flat tax type of system? I think so. I think we're, we're getting to the point where you have a 77,000-page tax code. It's over 100 years old. Nobody was invited to the party for the 100th anniversary of the current tax code. And they just keep adding on layers and layers of garbage. And and I think that would be the next step, and that would create a huge bull market in this country. It's interesting to note, in that vein, slightly different, is Obamacare and healthcare next year. No. People are starting to see how much it's going to cost, and it's you know, $250 to $400 out of pocket. Well, you know, month. this is going to be a big issue for the retailers, oh, especially is. like Walmart. Target's already feeling the, the, the brunt of that. Um, and that's something that we're looking at because of how bad – this rollout was and how misunderstood it is in terms of what this is going to cost people, who can afford it. Um, what a disaster, complete disaster. They're going, they're going to have to put it off or they're going to have to say that you have to be signed up by the end of 2014 to avoid the tax penalties. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mess. And the problem is, is that you see that, you know, you're, unless a ton of healthy people go on to the plans that are being offered and they buy it, all that's happening is you're going to have a whole bunch of people flooding the Medicaid and Medicare program, which is going to affect seniors in terms of getting into the doctors, and it's not going to work. And so far, it's a disaster. It's going to be fun. So, And I think it does hurt our economy next year, and I think it does probably increase the chances of a recession. Mm. Uh, well, you're going to see a recession probably in, the, in terms of the basic retail sector. Well, you remember a couple of years ago that uh, they sent us checks to stimulate the economy of 300 Right, which is just our grandkids and kids' money. And now the money's being taken away of three hundred dollars, and they don't think that's not going to that's not going to be a stimulus. Yeah. So, anyhow, with that said, come meet AFP Chad Burton and myself tomorrow in Walnut Creek, doing two events, raising money for charity, a fundraiser, requesting your phone, your old cell phone, and or five dollar donation. You can sign up for the events at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's Money 101 and a Wealth Preservation. You can get a free code by emailing rob at robblack.com. expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Do you have student loans? Are you worried about making your payments? Don't worry. We can help you. If you're behind, if you're late, or even if you're in default on your student loans, we can help cut your payments right away. We provide student loan relief, getting you relief from your student loans fast. We'll stop any harassing phone calls, stop any wage garnishments, and even... 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.